The, so we spoke about uh, the healing process, and now finally they were healed, so now that's where we're holding. The road from Kiev to Siberia passed through Moscow, Moskva, as the Rabbeim would call it. And all the prisoners from Kiev and the surrounding areas that were sentenced to go to Siberia, they were first sent to Moscow, and they would wait till there were like thousands of people ready to go, thousands of people that needed to go to Siberia, prisoners and stuff like that, and they would make one huge transport for all the prisoners, and they would all go together. Now, while the family and the friends of the Shapiro brothers were willing to pay for a wagon to drive them to, their, to, to Moscow, the law was that all prisoners were made to walk a large part of the way to Moscow just to put them down even more. And their request was denied. And the long trip drained every ounce of strength that they regained in the past year. And by the time they got to Moscow, they were already like done. They, they, they were ready to collapse again. <clears throat> so when they got to Moscow, each prisoner had to do a physical exam to determine, are you strong enough to survive the trip to Siberia? And uh, using this way of doing things to their advantage, the Hasidim, they gave a lot of gifts to the doctors. And their conclusion was that because of their, how weak they were, which now they were even weaker than before because they walked the whole way to whatever, most of the way to Moscow, these two prisoners should be included in the list of people who are not going to join this transport because there's no way they're going to arrive alive to Siberia. And when the doctors in the military hospital confirmed this, they agreed. So the Tsar decreed, okay, fine. They should be rehabilitated, meaning they should be made well in, a, in the Moscow military hospital. And from time to time, we're going to check in to see how they're doing, to see if they're well enough to go travel now to Siberia. And he added that when their health would get better, we'll just put them on the next, whatever, whatever the next transport is. So every four months, the doctors would examine them and uh, they would give the, whatever they, their findings were to the military court. Now after a year passed, so they were already examined three times, right? They're still unable to travel to so Siberia. The government realized that the doctors felt that because of the tremendous trauma that these, that these went through to their bodies, there's no way they're ever, meaning it's not like, oh, let them heal for two years and then we could send them. They're never going to be well enough to go to Siberia. So the two brothers, there, there were also two other Jews with them, by the way, who they only got 500 lashes, which is also an insane amount. Um, Brindis and uh, Ciprin. So they were workers, they were worked together with, with uh, Laser, Protagon, the one who was killed. And they were accused of helping the Shapiro brothers. Anyway, so they were placed in an old age home in Moscow. Because they said, we'll, we'll keep you here. And then they were not allowed to return home or even settle in another Jewish community. I said, we're going we're gonna to keep you here till the end of your days, till you die. Now, the intention of this Gezerah was to separate them 
from all Yidin. Because Yidin were not allowed to live in Moscow at the time without a special permit. So how many Yidin were there living in Moscow? That, let's say, and ones that were Hasidim? Even less, right? Not too many. So Count Galitzin, who was the governor of Moscow, um, he was actually very kind to the Yidin. And he did everything he could to help them. Um, and when it came to the Shapiro brothers, he even petitioned the Tsar to free them. When he freed the Tsar, the Tsar later on, he, he freed a whole bunch of other people involved in the case that were arrested. But he didn't free the Shapiro brothers. And although the Tsar refused his request, said, I'm not going to let them go, he saw that the Tsar stopped asking about their health. And understood that the Tsar is not going to press that they should go into Golos anymore. Meaning it's good enough that they're stuck in Moscow. Um, so, out of his compassion and recognition for their greatness, the governor granted them much more freedom than they were allowed before. So he allowed them to have some svarim and to meet with other yidin in their room as often as they wanted to. The only yidin who were allowed to live in Moscow without a special permit were the Jewish soldiers, right? The Cantonists. They were allowed to live in Moscow as long as they... Meaning, once you finish your army service, now you can live in Moscow without a permit. Um, so Reb Shmuel, Abba, and Reb Pinchas, they became friends with uh, these Cantonists and they used to daven with them. Now, while some of the soldiers were drafted when they were 18, most of them were, were stolen from their homes when they were 8, 9, 10. And, um, and they remembered very little of their learning from when they were younger. And army life, you know, it's not just a thing. It just causes you to forget the little Yiddishkeit that you have left. So, uh, so it's not like the Shapiro brothers could have a whole discussion in halacha or Gemara with these Cantonists. It's not going to happen. However, these two tzaddikim, they connected with these Cantonists in other ways, hoping to inspire them to remain committed yidin, strengthening the, their, their mitzvahs. And their love and devotion bore fruit. The soldiers built a shul in Moscow that they could dive it in, the Cantonist shul. And we'll continue tomorrow.